0: Welcome to the Worst Girl Gang Ever, proudly sponsored by Modibody.
1: Modibody is absorbent underwear that was founded to help people to better manage their periods and incontinence without the need for disposable pads, tampons or liners. It's a more comfortable, dignified solution that is better for our bodies and better for the
0: environment. The new way to period. Their purpose is to create a limitless positive impact on people and our planet. Beyond selling leak-proof underwear that empower people's lives, they are committed to being sustainable in all that they do, helping to end period poverty and support health education programs that normalise and open up conversations around our bodies. To date, they have already donated 25,000 pairs of underwear to women in times of crisis and need.
1: To get a Girl Gang discount off your very own pair of period pants, go to modybody.co.uk and use the code WORST15 at checkout.
0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today we are joined by Amber Izzo. Now, Amber, is that your real surname?
2: It's, it's so, but yeah, that's my real surname.
1: It's so
0: That's <laughs> it's amazing. So.
2: Thanks. It's really like
0: cool. It. <laughs> Where's it from?
1: Where's
2: it from? Uh, my husband's Ooh. Italian so it's. Oh, come from, oh
1: that's even cooler. From yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't want an Italian husband right? I, well I always
2: said that growing up I was like I'm gonna marry an Italian because I want a cool surname and then I did so it was great. It was like I manifested oh, it. <laughs> amazing. That's
0: awesome. Oh, welcome that. to the uh, Worst Girl Gang studio. It's very glamorous isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's the lighting's pretty poor, actually, in my in my it's half studio. It's probably for the best, let's it's like be honest. Even Bex,
0: you could be anyone. No, look, I'm
1: wearing my dungarees and my canary yellow jumper, of course Amazing. it's me. Of Amazing. course,
0: of course. Of so, course. Amber, tell us a little bit about your journey. How do you feel about the word journey?
2: I mean, I feel like I'm on X Factor, if I'm really honest. No. <laughs> it's a word I struggle with, but it is what it is. Well, I don't think there's right. a good word to describe it, is there? It's, no, it's just no. shit
1: show. We we yeah, go for I shit show it. sometimes. I love that. Yeah, love that. yeah. How do you, 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 I feel slightly rude and saying, hi, thanks so much for coming into the studio. So tell us all about your shit show. <laughs> That's yeah. I don't feel like it, it's the right vibe to start off with. <laughs> but, exactly. you know, if you're happy
0: with shit show, let's go with shit Absolutely. show. Absolutely, I'm happy with cool. the shit show. So when did it. you yeah. start trying for a baby?
2: Uh, six years ago, just over six years ago. Um, just kind of, well, we were talking about this this morning. We never really started trying. Mm. Um, it was more a case of, I was fed up with the pill, so I just stopped taking it. And then after about a year, we were like, "Huh, we've been a bit irresponsible here and nothing's happened. Um, right. And then I got a bit obsessed with it and it kind of went from there. Easily uh, done. Well, that was it. And we just kind of woke up one morning and we were like, well, if it happens, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Um,
1: and yeah, just kind of carried on with it. Um, so after that year, so you, t- you were literally not using protection for a year. Mm-hmm. Were you but you hadn't sort of said let's try for babies let you just got sick of the pill and then just did you assume that you'd get pregnant in that year or were you just like whatever it it was difficult because I think we always or
2: I always kind of knew that it wasn't going to be straightforward my mum had got polycystic ovaries and my mum had fallen pregnant with me and my sister very quickly very easily um I knew a lot about it and my cycle had always been all over the place. And I just had a bit of an inkling that things mm-hmm. weren't the way they should be because my cycle wasn't the way it should be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, we'll stop not trying, if that makes sense. And it was just, well, I'll just come off the pill and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, but when nothing happened, then I started to question everything. And then I started tracking my cycles. Um I then got a false positive pregnancy test, and oh, after that, yeah,
1: the worst.
2: Oh, it was awful because um, yeah. I'd got I'd got two, so it came in a, a pack of two, like they do, and both of them came back positive. So i I was like, oh my god, this is like what's going on? Oh, was I'm that a che- like a cheapy brand? Or? It was yeah, it was a Sainsbury's one. Um, their digital ones. Nowhere. No way. So yeah, it was just. I just remember going to the doctors with, and my friend had taken me at the time, and she was waiting outside. And I got in the car, and I was like, "No, it's, it's negative." Like, and we just couldn't believe it. Like, oh my god, that happens. Um, so after that, I it just spiraled, and I became so obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when we started really actively trying and tracking everything and changing everything
0: and
1: taking it off. That's really
0: rubbish. And, place to be isn't it the obsessing and tracking
1: it's miserable it just ruins it ruins your life like that is that is no that's not an understatement is it it Mm -hmm. enters all of your thoughts your dreams it ruins your sex life it ruins your conversation it ruins your capabilities of concentrating on anything it's just there going (sighs) Yeah. All the time, all the time. And then you, you become this fucking weirdo that you don't recognise, like scraping banana skins off f- fucking six-hour-old pregnancy tests going, oh, I still, I mean, there might be a line now.
0: You're forgetting the wing in shot glasses and leaving them in public toilets, Bex.
1: winging into shot glasses and leaving them in public <laughs> toilets. I mean, you've got to look at yourself as well be what have I become? <laughs> because someone found that shot glass full of piss. What, ha- what changed? <laughs> Between buying a bottle Mm. of, I can't leave some Alpine alcohol and with its own (laughs) shot glasses. What happened to that girl? And then she's using them for piss in a public Mm. toilet and leaving that there. That's wild, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, I hijacked that. That's all right.
2: Um but yeah, so it kind of that's like I say, that's when it spiraled and we really started trying. Um, but my doctor never really took me seriously and I just kept getting told, oh it's a bad period, or you're young, it'll happen, lose weight, mm. do this, do that, go on holidays yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. look to and stand on your head and it'll all um it'll And all drink water. unicorn piss. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Cause yeah. you know, readily available. Um yeah. so how
0: long after you started trying did they start investigating or take you seriously? Uh, it
1: was three and a half years
0: wow oh, really, yeah, really long so time.
1: what was do you mind me asking what how old were you at the
2: time so when I first came off the pill I was 20 so I was quite young okay. so I understood that my doctor Big, yeah was a bit like you're young um but then when I'd been diagnosed with PCOS so we knew at that point perhaps things were um going to be that little little bit harder yeah um, but they'd kind of said it was only borderline so I was only just within the threshold so they couldn't see it being an issue but I'm there going well you know 18 months two years still not happening it should be happening um so yeah in the end we were kind of like I think two and a half years in the doctor still wasn't really listening to us we were about six months away from getting married so we thought right we won't push for investigations anymore we'll wait until we're married right and then we'll go um So yeah, we then got married, and a few months later, I had a laparoscopy, and I was diagnosed with two fully blocked fallopian tubes, um, which I then had removed. So we were told that IVF was our only option. Um, And at that point, I was really frustrated because where I live, they took IVF off the NHS um, a couple of years before. So had we been referred in line with the guidance, I think that's so
1: it's so frustrating, isn't it? Because we. This is one of the oh at least you know at least you're still young and I think you're not taken seriously. I know when I didn't get periods, I knew that there was something wrong with me, Mm -hmm. and the doctors went oh you know you it doesn't you're so young it doesn't matter and just completely wrote me off and I think that's so damaging because it puts you off because when a medical professional tells you oh don't worry you're fine go home don't think about it come back when you've been trying for a year if you still haven't you know you go oh that's that's what I should do then and. You take that seriously, don't you? Yeah. But really, if we all just knew to push for what we truly believed at the time was wrong or that we truly believed there was something wrong, then diagnosis would happen quicker. And you started trying for a baby in your early 20s because you wanted a baby in your early 20s. You didn't start trying in your early 20s because you wanted a baby when you were 30 or or when you were, you know, 35 or, or, or 38, whatever. It's just, it frustrates me so much when people take that decision out of your hands by mm-hmm. putting their expectations on you. Oh, it doesn't matter because you're young. I want to be a young mum. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's yeah. your choice. Yeah. It really used <sighs> it to run, run me up. Run, I it. <laughs> it used to really wind me up
2: when all of my male, uh, all of my males, that's not what I meant. Whoa, this is a
1: different <laughs> <podcast>. the,
2: <laughs> the huge line of them I have outside. Um, all of my doctors were male. And oh, so yeah. I would go in and I would tell them about my period, which was uncomfortable anyway, um, yeah, yeah. or used to be anyway. Now I clearly talk about it to anyone and everyone, but yeah, back then it was different. I didn't, I said back then, like it was 50 years ago. Um, but I'd go into the doctor's surgery and it was hard enough to talk about that to then be told oh it's just a bad period like they have a yeah. clue what a bad period they're
0: literally telling yeah. you from what they've learned in a textbook are not exactly. they
1: exactly as well though because you go like when you have this problem if you just go and see a GP often more often than not if you go back you see a different GP and you have to explain the whole thing again and they've only got 10 minutes to see her. and I was talking to Laura about this the other day I remember seeing one GP and it was a woman but at the end she, she was like oh what do you do and bloody well I went through the whole thing again oh yes and I don't get periods and and it's not nice to talk about and then I was I worked for a ski company I did a lot of ski seasons and stuff I worked for a ski company at the time right at the end of the appointment she went do you think there's any chance you could get me a discount on um on a ski holiday and you know when you're like oh my gosh this is just, it just feels like my yeah. problems feel are so real to me and so trivial to you. Yeah. And that's when I just, Oh, just medical, medical stuff. Can't, can't be dealing with it. It's when I turned my, grew my airy fairy
0: wings. Yeah. <laughs> I guess whether it's a, a man or a woman, it, it, it probably doesn't matter. It depends on that. You just person, need to feel heard, it? don't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah,
2: definitely. And I think you're right in the sense that you do have to repeat everything with every GP that you see. I think, only a few months ago I'd rang my GP to get a prescription for metformin yeah and while I was on the phone she started asking whether or not we were starting trying and I was like "Mm, no we're we're six years in um and then started like just talking to me about IVF and she was saying I she told me that I didn't have PCOS and I was like "Mm, well I do um so I was on the phone for so long while she was asking why I didn't have any fallopian tubes and xyz and I'm thinking are you actually looking at my notes or am I just sat here repeating everything it was ridiculous what's the point
0: frustrating it's like banging your head against a
2: brick wall I do feel for GPs because I think they need to know a little about a lot like they're they're general practitioners they're not experts in gynecology or anything Mm. like that but sometimes I just think it's empathy, isn't it? That's all it is. Yeah. You, you yeah. just want to feel listened to. That's and why it. is making that referral so hard? Why do we have to fight so hard? Yeah. When we know our bodies better than anybody else.
0: Yeah. Mm. I mean, the thing is 100%. to them, it's a five minute appointment and they'll, you know, give you the advice that they're meant to give you or, you know, refer you if you're lucky, send you on your merry way. But for you, you might have been waiting weeks for this appointment mm-hmm. to discuss something you might have all your is, hopes pinned on it exactly yeah. it's, it's, it's all consuming it's taking over your life and that five minutes to you is going to give you hope yeah maybe hopefully give you some answers and yeah I mean I've had a few battles with doctors consultants in the past and yeah I felt like I've been banging my head against a brick wall but when you do finally find someone who listens to you and hears you it's bloody amazing
2: it just changes
0: your whole outlook yeah Mm. I
2: completely agree completely agree it's just I remember when we got that referral and it was just finally something is now happening and it should never have taken us that long and that's one of the reasons I get so wound up about it because I think you know six years in I'm still here still going Mm. and still fighting to be listened to half the time (laughs) so how many cycles of IVF
0: have you already had
2: uh we've had two fresh cycles now. Okay. So our last one failed last March, I think about four days into lockdown we tested.
1: Um Ooh. so yeah, it's uh been a rough ride. Yeah, gosh, yeah. And so you didn't have any frozen, is that right? Yeah, we didn't have
2: any. So our first cycle ended um before transfer. We'd I can't remember I think we had seven eggs off the top of my head. Yeah, we'd got seven eggs. Um And by day three, we only had two and neither of them, uh, neither embryo made it to day five. So we didn't have any to transfer. So then we had to do another fresh cycle um, a few months later. So that would have been last February. And again, 10 eggs, five fertilized. And yeah, one made it to transfer. Um, But even that wasn't quite where it should have been. It was an early blastocyst. So yeah, they transferred it anyway. And obviously it didn't work. So we're completely black at square one again.
1: And do you know why did they get, could they give you an answer as to why you didn't have more success with the preliminary stages?
2: Um, Not really. They, they suspected it might've been something to do with DNA fragmentation, but we've now, we've now changed clinics. um, So we will be starting with them hopefully in the autumn. Um, And we've had a conversation with them and they think the medication I was on, they don't think that was good enough for me and for what I needed. So my protocol is completely changing. Um, There's lifestyle changes that we've made. There's some issues with my husband's sperm as well. We're not, they don't think that's the biggest catalyst. They're not entirely sure what it is, but the new clinic don't think it is DNA fragmentation. Um, So we're kind of going back to basics with them, trying a completely different protocol, seeing how that goes. And Mm. then if that ends up the same way, which we're really hoping it won't, but if that ends up in the same uh, situation where we don't have, anything to transfer or any frozen, then we will perhaps investigate it
0: a little bit more. Um I think the thing with sperm DNA fragmentation is whether he has it or not, you can still act as if he has. Like the the like you say, the yeah. lifestyle ch- changes are quite simple, aren't they? So you may yeah. as well just just go through the motions with that. So what,
1: what are the lifestyle
2: changes? Both of our BMIs are are too high at the moment. I when we finished our last cycle, my old clinic told me I needed to lose four stones. So what? I've, <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Um, so I've lost two now. So I've still got two to go thereabouts. Um, and yeah, my. But husband You don't as well. look
1: like like four stone. That's crazy. That's a small person. Like yeah, that's... it was uh, <laughs> it was um, a bit of
2: a shock because I think they they obviously go by BMI. I hate BMI. I, think. I hate BMI. A is such
1: a I, crock of
2: shit. It really is. I call it the bullshit mass indicator because I just love I it. it. I hate
0: it. Have um, I ever told you that I was in the sun, Bex? Not pale. If I had, a,
1: if I had. A, <laughs> A quid for every time you told me you're in the sun well it was about
0: bmi the article was called bmi is a big fat lie and i love that i was there on page 39 page 39 not page three three. (laughs) (laughs) didn't get me knockers out um for once (laughs) (laughs) so this cycle that you've got planned is the one one that you're paying for yourself
2: uh, we've paid for all of them
0: ourselves all of them yeah
2: why wow. so because we're in 2017 Cambridgeshire and Peterborough took IVF off the NHS completely um they reviewed it in 2019 and decided no they're not bringing it back uh so we have had to pay for all of them which has been very naff
1: wow <laughs> that is super naff so this and this is this leads on to your um protest is the wrong word what what word am i looking for campaign campaign that's the one (laughs) same thing your postcode lottery campaign with IVF yes Yes, actually before before you start talking about that were you tempted to
2: move um we were and we weren't there I mean I want to move and I would move in a heartbeat (laughs) um but we can't really I think it's my husband works from home he's a hairdresser his clientele is here all our family is here we would literally have to move counties. And although like the nearest point is 10 minutes away, it's it just wouldn't be worth it for us. Like our mortgage, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Financially, mm. in the long run, it would have cost us more than it would funding the cycles. I mean, unless yeah. we get to like <sighs> 10 cycles and you're looking at this, I mean it's silly money anyway. But yeah, realistically, it just it just wasn't an option for us. Um, and if it had worked and then you think about childcare and things like that, it would have been a nightmare being far away from family. So yeah, it just, it just wasn't worth an awful working. lot of
0: pressure. Definitely. It? Yeah. Like, wow. How do you cope with that? How do you cope with, yeah, with, with, with that pressure? It's, it's hard
2: work. I, I think. I've never been very good with saving money anyway. So it's just a nightmare for me. I like to spend money on things I don't need and I hate spending money on things I do need. So yeah, straight away, yeah. there's a problem. Um, but yeah, <laughs> rent, it was, uh, <laughs> Rent, am I right? It's a nightmare. <laughs>
1: um,
2: but yeah, I just, it's never, it's never been easy for us in that sense. Like I think we got married and we had saved so, so hard for this wedding and we had this amazing, great big wedding that in hindsight now we were like, Uh, we could have really done with that money Mm. now Mm. um so it just feels like constantly we are working to pay obviously you're always working to pay for something but we don't work to live like we work to pay for our treatment like we both work two jobs and it's just
0: it's a nightmare for something that's not guaranteed as well exactly like that's just heartbreaking so hard isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's um
2: like I, so I work a normal nine to five job, and then on a Saturday I, I work a part time job, and all of my money for my Saturday job goes straight into my savings account, and it it really does feel like working on a Saturday to gamble that money. Like that money is going straight mm. on a table in Vegas. Yeah. Like that's exactly how it feels. Um,
1: if it was guaranteed, you wouldn't give a, absolutely wouldn't give a monkeys, would it? And no, you'd no, just throw the money at it, going, "This is fine, this is fine. Yeah. I'll start." Working on a Saturday night as well, and that's it. But yeah. it's not, and that must be so bloody hard. But why? So, so do you know fundamentally why every area is different? Why is that? Why is it there a postcode lottery with IVF? It's because it's not. I say it's not governed. So the nice guidelines, they're that
2: they're just guidelines, and so mm. each CCG across the country has the ability to do what they want based on their funding and so if they so in our case uh they were in a deficit and they were therefore trying to cut services and I think IVF is an easy service to cut because I think infertility is something that people aren't really open about I think yeah mm, there's a community on Instagram and on Facebook and things like that where people will talk about it, but I find an awful lot of these accounts are anonymous accounts mm-hmm. and they're accounts um, with people who are quite happy to talk to other people who are going through it, but they won't talk openly about it, which is it's fine. It's a private matter. I think,
1: yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of the experience that I've had is that people will talk about it after they are no longer in that situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So once they have been successful, had a baby then they like some of some of the people I know said you know actually well it took us this and this and this to have this baby and I had no idea yeah and I think it is one of those things that when you're going through it it's so real and painful that you cannot talk about it Mm -hmm. can you
2: yeah and I think there is a lot of um unnecessary and I think it's wrong but there is a fair bit of stigma I think attached to it yeah um And I think people are scared to talk about it more than anything because I think people struggle to understand when they've not been through it. And so I think it makes it harder to talk to people. So I think IVF was an easy service to cut because people aren't going to speak up as loudly about it as they would something else. Um, I didn't see you coming, did they? No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But exactly. yeah, I think that's exactly why. And I know it, like things have happened before. I know um, Fertility Network have done a campaign on it. And um, I know there was another campaign not long after, was it after or before? Um, but there's been a couple of campaigns, but obviously they haven't, ch- they haven't changed anything in the long run. I think it's obviously got people talking and people are much more aware of it, but change still hasn't happened. And I think there's been places in the last year that have reinstated it, which is great. But just across the board, there isn't it's just ridiculous that it's so different based on where you live it's Mm. just so wrong especially when you think there's only three places in the whole country that don't fund any at all like that's it's abysmal it makes no sense
0: so what can we do what can our listeners do to Uh, help this along they can sign
2: our petition uh they can write to their mps and they can obviously support our instagram pages and uh, any work that we do i think is it's just really vital. Um, Writing to the MPs, I think, is a, a huge step. Um, so many people did that in Cambridgeshire that we ended up with a cross-party letter from all the MPs in Cambridgeshire going to the CCG, and they have now agreed to review their stance, whereas beforehand they were like, no, we're not looking at it, that's it. So it's, it's made a massive difference, and it's happening now in County Durham. Um, so many people have written to their MPs off the back of our campaign that their MP, uh, well, one of the MPs then got in contact with me and he's now planning to do the same and do the same cross-party later. Really?
1: Um, so there's, what's the other area? So there's you guys, so you're, you're Cambridge and... Yeah, so there's Cambridgeshire and Peterborough. Peterborough. Um, yeah. There's Basildon and Brentwood.
2: And then there's Mid-Essex. And they're the three that don't get any at all. And then across the rest of the country, it varies where some places get one, some get two, some get three. Some don't if they've got... Uh, if their partner has children from a previous relationship oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah, some yeah. don't, if they're too young or too old and their BMI is too high or too low and it's Or well, they've already had a child. Yeah, there's so much um, criteria involved yeah, that, sounds that, like that there's varies loads across of, the board. Yeah, flipping it it. needs to be standardised,
0: Standard.
2: doesn't it? For yeah, sure. 100%, 100%. And it's so the same across the country.
0: When you get to 30,000 signatures, what happens then? We carry on.
2: Um, I think oh, okay. ideally in an ideal world we need to get it to 100,000 that's where we need to so
0: you're currently you know, where are, are you now 28,791 there
2: we are so that's so, been going on since November so that's um that's good then just yeah. since this last November yeah yeah we started at fertility week so I think the Amazing. I think the petition went live the week before I think the petition went live end of October um so yeah I have
0: already signed it Bex have you I haven't, no, I'm so well, sorry. You're going I'm to leaving. though, aren't you? That's it, I'm leaving. Of course Bye. I will. <laughs> sorry.
1: Well, I'm sorry, but you didn't arrive in your ball gown. I know, so I know. I seem it's- to remember the messages beforehand specifically stated that it was ball gown or no deal. <laughs> it's funny so. you say that. I got my wedding dress out the wardrobe not long ago and I was
2: looking at it and then I was thinking, hmm, I don't even think I'll get it oh, over
1: my eye now. <laughs> I would have, that would have made me laugh. So Laura turned up one day in a fascinator for, Amazing.
2: for a podcast. Amazing,
0: <laughs>
1: amazing
2: love
0: it one other thing I wanted to ask you about was when an IVF cycle doesn't work I think it's like a loss in Mm. itself when I went through recurrent miscarriages people always used to say to me well at least you can get pregnant and I and compare because they do don't they everyone compares their grief but I always thought, well, the outcome is the same with infertility and with loss. The outcome is the same. You you lose a baby. You can't get pregnant. There's there's no baby there. Um, so talk us through. How does it feel when when that cycle doesn't work? Is it like a, a full on grief or is it something that people think that you just get over? I think people think you
2: just get over
0: it. Yeah.
2: And I really don't think you do. Um, mm. For me, it has always been. A form of grief I always uh, I remember saying to my dad when I was first diagnosed actually and I'd uh, before we'd even started IVF and I was told that I couldn't have children the impact that had on my mental health was just horrific I, I really mm. really hit rock bottom and it was quite scary and I always remember saying to my dad I feel like I'm grieving because I feel like I am grieving the child that I can't have. And it was horrible, a really, really horrible feeling. And I feel like every time a cycle fails, you almost relive that you feel that pain again, because yeah. it's unbelievable how attached you get to these embryos. And I think at the end of the day, they are what makes a baby. And I think when you when you test at the end of IVF, you I think it works out that you're four or five weeks pregnant. I think it works out around that. Mm. If somebody had fallen pregnant naturally and we're four or five weeks pregnant etc people view that differently I think to then the embryo not implanting whereas to me I see it quite similar at the end yeah. of the day their cells have been put inside of you that embryo you have sat for two weeks not knowing whether it's there or not but you have to believe that it is and I think you have to act as though you're pregnant. You have to eat as though you are. You have to drink as though you are, etc. And
1: then just like that, it's all over. It must be so difficult because when you ju- when you have sex to get pregnant, you don't know whether the sperm have met the egg. You don't know whether no. they've swimming in the right direction. You don't know whether it's all just, you know, leaked out when you go for a wee in the middle of the night. Do you know what I mean? There's <laughs> yeah. so many kind of factors. But with IVF, because it's so clinical and it's so scientific, you know, you know it's happening. that it has got there and you know that it's being put back where it should yeah. be put. So yeah. it's like, everything should work. This should happen. Yeah. And yet, so when you then, like you are, you sort of are pregnant when you get that, when it gets put back inside, right? Because yeah. it's a fertilized egg inside your womb, where it's supposed to be, best chance. So you sort of are pregnant when when that the transfer happens. So it is a loss when yeah. you don't have when when you take a negative pregnancy test yeah because you know that all the components to make you pregnant have been put together in a controlled environment and that must just be yeah. so oh it just must be so gutting and on top of that you've got because you I, I, I've never been through IVF but you inject yourself with hormones and stuff don't yeah. you yeah and that must be feel like um such an unnatural process as well and send your moods flying in different directions oh, God, yeah It's just, there's so much more to it. And I I hate this because I think because it's yet another thing with with our female bodies and with this reproductive subject that we don't talk about is when you say, when you hear a couple are going through IVF, you have no idea of the stress Mm -hmm. and the trauma and the upset and probably the the strain it puts on a relationship Mm -hmm. at all. And it's huge, you know, it's so huge. And I just think people need to be aware of it. And even just the you know, the financial strain that gets put on you, yeah. it must be huge. How did yeah. it, did it, did it have a negative effect on your relationship at any point? Uh, yeah,
2: definitely. Um, when I think the main crux of everything was when I was first diagnosed and when I was first told that I couldn't have children without IVF, um, that yeah. I, oh God, it was horrible. It, it really was horrible. And I just spiraled. Um, mm. and I just, I kept telling my husband to leave me and, Oh, I was dead serious God. with it and it was I wanted him to leave me so that he could find somebody who he could have children with. He really wanted children and I know, you know, and I know like family don't mean to put pressure on us but like I know how badly like his dad wants to be a grandfather and things yeah. like that and that made me feel like shit. Yeah. It was it was so horrible that I was like I, I need you to go be with somebody else because I can't give you this um, and I could never understand that it was me that he wanted to be with, with or without that. And I think oh God. like you, you go through IVF and every time you feel like a failure. And I think for me, it, it almost made it worse because before we started treatment, the first time I met a consultant from a different clinic whose words were that because it was my fallopian tubes that, the, that were the issue and we were doing ICSI, which um, is the, the form of IVF they use when there's sperm issues, to, he said that it should be really straightforward. There is no reason why I wouldn't get pregnant first time and his Word for word was that we are a clinic's wet dream. And I clung on to that so much that I was like, it's going to work. You actually used that work. expression. I actually used that expression. I was a oh. clinic's wet dream. Um, no, so, you know, um, rather that strange, <laughs> strange thing to <laughs> you say. You changed though. clinics, so, right? That, uh, we didn't go with that clinic, funnily <laughs> enough. No, um, but, yeah, it just... Um, <laughs> I just but I I clung to it and I was like Mm. it's gonna work there's no reason why it's not gonna work so the first time it was just it just felt like everything was just pulled out of you and you were there again um Mm. and then the second time the second time I felt like I expected it like I just didn't I think after about day six so we had our transfer and about six days later all my symptoms just vanished like Mm. I just woke up and I felt normal and I thought I don't think this has worked so I kind of had five days or so to convince myself that it hadn't worked
0: yeah but so when mm. it
2: didn't work I was like well I expected it anyway and that day I think I just I think I painted my fence like I just cracked on and was like oh it is what it is but then a few days later it floored me um yeah and I think the second time it was it was so much worse because we knew we couldn't afford to go again for for quite some time. Um, okay. So we were like, right, we're going to have a break. We're going to have loads of fun. We're going to do what we need to do. Lockdown. Pandemic hit. <laughs> so, Bloody it, it just, COVID. That's it. It was just a nightmare. So yeah, we're now, we're now here
1: trying to save and yeah, there's not a great deal more we can do.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Gosh, what a journey. Oh, sorry. What a shit show. What a shit show. Journey. Yeah. <laughs> you did like your, your, PMA I know you said you you've spiraled and of course you have like my gosh mental health aspect of fertility Mm. and infertility and and loss is absolutely overwhelmingly huge but you seem like you're so focused and driven Mm. and 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 how do you think like I know this is the case for me and Laura do you think that the idea of helping others is something that is sort of healing you and helping you go on?
2: Yeah I don't think I could have done this any other way like I don't think I would have got through this and been as okay as I am without sharing it I'm a talker I talk to anyone who will listen um and with this I couldn't keep it to myself like we didn't tell anyone we were trying um I remember when I went for my laparoscopy and I told my dad that I was having this operation and came out and told him obviously what I was told and it was quite a shock to my family because they had no idea that we were trying. And mm. suddenly I was having all these investigations. Um, but, yeah, I think for me, talking about it was the the only way that I could have kept myself sane. Um, mm. And sometimes like, I'm, I'm really grateful for it and I'm really glad I have done this. And sometimes it is hard because I feel like I take on a lot of other people's situations as yeah. well. And obviously when people confide in you, it's great. And I love the fact that people feel like they can do that sometimes I have to step away and I have yeah. to say, right, I'm, ha- I'm having a, a week away because it impacts me. And I've, I think part of it is I've now made this my life. Like, it's not something I just talk about in my spare time. I have my blog, I have my campaign, I've started a company um, around it that my whole life is IVF and infertility. My husband yeah. can switch off from it. I can't without yeah. it. Like that's, that's it. I've made it my livelihood now. Um, mm. So it's so hard, I think, to to switch off from that. but it's got me through and I don't think I would have the outlook that I have if it wasn't for the community that I've got around me all of the Mm. time we're a bunch of
1: badass bitches absolutely absolutely
0: for sure
2: rock and roll
1: gosh (laughs) so how can people tell us tell everyone how they can find you and support you and and love you and Stuff. love me oh I love that strip yeah. my hair and tell
2: me I'm a princess <laughs> <laughs> um I so can't. on COVID that's it that's it okay well after COVID <laughs> um, so on Instagram I'm Itso, uh, which is I double Z O it's a strange name. Surname ever. <laughs> that's it I love it uh the campaign is fight for IVF uh, on Instagram as well and then yeah just my website is AmberItso.com and Brilliant. innovationfertility.com if we're going to go really into it too so we'll link it all
1: in the oh, all right i gave you one little opportunity <laughs> and she's gone plugging, <laughs> plugging it, on. it. That's it on i'll give you my it. home address and my bank details all of it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure cool i've heard that's a really good idea <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for for sharing your story um, thank you for having being so open
0: no, no it's that, been great pleasure. to have you we it's been it's been lovely. we talk so much about miscarriage and pregnancy loss and i feel like the, you know the whole the fertility world overlaps an awful lot so it's Absolutely. really good to to talk about that as well
1: yeah it's been really you. great thank you cool and keep in touch won't you yes definitely Bec- that's right now that petition i'm off to sign a petition aren't i yeah. Woo! <laughs> you're off to try on a ball gown that's it that's it see if i can get my wedding dress over my foot i'm going <laughs> oh for a gin and tonic <laughs> i like your Ooh.
2: idea best yeah. i like, yours <laughs> sounds way better
1: <laughs> painful plan <laughs> all right okay, ladies we'll take care. Thank you. Bye, bye. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us, and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week.